Verizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you with us. Glad to have Eric Ryder aboard. He's riding shotgun and making sure that we stay in our lane, as I like to say. Today, today, 70 years ago, today, came the premiere of Landmark Television in the form of I Love Lucy. I've got a press release here. That's about as official as it gets. Let me read the lead. From Jamestown, New York, the National Comedy Center, the nation's official cultural institution dedicated to comedy, and the Lucille Ball Desi Arnaz Museum, which celebrates the lives, careers, and legacy of the first couple of comedy, will mark the 70th anniversary of the debut of I Love Lucy on Friday, October 15, with special episode screenings throughout the weekend, enhanced Lucy Desi exhibits, and new interactive experiences for fans of the beloved TV series. And we all loved Lucy, did we not? Back then, at the time, the evening, actually, that I Love Lucy debuted, I have come to understand that there were 10 million TV sets in America. There you go. 10 million sets. A year later, there were 20 million sets in operation within these continental United States and its territorial possessions, for all I know. From 10 million to 20 million, there's a reason for that. And in a word, in a name, that is Lucy. We are going to be talking with Gary Hahn, who is communications director at the National Comedy Center, which is also connected to the Lucy Desi Museum to celebrate all things Lucy during this short time allowed. Thank you so much for joining us. This is American Road Trip Talk, and we'll be back with the Lucy story right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you're studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertdrops.com. Very important. Go to alertdrops.com and stay safe. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. Gary Hahn is a marketing, communications, and branding executive who has held leadership positions at major media companies and travel and tourism destinations. He specializes in launching new brands and reimagining classic ones at the cross-section of entertainment, popular culture, and new technology, as well as driving fan engagement within pop culture superfan communities. Currently, Gary is Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the National Comedy Center. He's also now a second-time visitor to American Road Trip Talk. Welcome, Gary Hahn. Glad to have you back. Thanks so much, Gary. Thrilled to be, to be back. And we're thrilled to be hearing about 
all things Lucy. As I said, as much as we can fit into a short interview here, my goodness, I can only imagine the boardroom where you work planning this out 70th anniversary of the debut of I Love Lucy. And you must have had so many plans flying around the room until you settled on what could be presented during this momentous weekend. Tell us about it. Yes. Well, you know, every year uh, I Love Lucy Day, sometimes it's called National I Love Lucy Day, uh, is recognized by a lot of people in a lot of media. But of course, the 70th uh, is a big milestone. So yes, we've been planning for a while and we've been enhancing some of our exhibits in the Lucy Desi Museum with uh, some new artifacts and some new videos and some new photo opportunities and um, and also some different fan engagement uh, activities. So for instance, we announced today that we're doing a photo mosaic where fans from around the world can uh, submit photos uh, of themselves to create a Lucy Desi 70th anniversary image uh, online. And that image will also be displayed within our museum. Uh, and you can buy a poster of that image. And if you go to lucymosaic.com, you can get all the details, but you can submit a photo for free. And that'll become part of the archives at the Lucy Desi Museum. So we've been working on fun things like that. And at the National Comedy Center, we are screening 70 of the best episodes of I Love Lucy as we speak. Uh, we're doing about 17 or 18 a day, starting today and going through Monday. So lots of different ways to enjoy this 70th anniversary here in Jamestown, which is Lucy's hometown. I'm so glad you said that, Gary. Yes, Jamestown, New York, the home of Lucille Ball and the home of these wonderful institutions dedicated to Lucy, to Desi, and to the art of comedy. When we think about, and I have to admit, this was, it premiered about three years before I was born. I'm a boomer, but I just wasn't a boomer around when the show debuted. It's hard for me, looking back on it, though I certainly appreciate the brilliance, the genius involved in the creation of I Love Lucy and all those talented people, I'm not sure that America was fully prepared with 10 million sets on the night of the debut. I'm not sure America was prepared for quite what they were going to be getting, a show that would actually not only be pure gold in entertainment terms, but which would have an echoing influence in the industry of television, the way it's presented and the way that it is appreciated this many decades later. That's absolutely true. I on one level, it was just unbelievably funny. Uh, Lucille Ball, uh, I don't think people realized because she, you know, she had a, uh, a a strong film career. She was called Queen of the Bees. But I don't think people realized until October 15th, 1951, just how funny she was, how, what, what a brilliant comedic actress she was. And of course, Desi uh, was uh, not only her husband in real life, but her husband on the show as Ricky Ricardo and a, and a, a wonderful uh, companion on the screen, as well as uh, Vivian Vance and William Frawley as, as the Mertzes. Uh, but Gary, I think what you're suggesting, too, is it, it, it was more than that. It was more than brilliant, brilliantly funny and brilliantly written. It, it really invented the situation comedy as we know it today, um, shooting with three cameras, on 35 millimeter film 
in front of a live audience in Los Angeles. None of those things happened with the TV comedy before I Love Lucy. They weren't shot on film, uh, what, what, and, and they weren't shot in front of an audience. Uh, and of course, Lucy fed off of that audience laughter. And because it was shot on film, it was preserved in pristine uh, condition so that we can watch those episodes today rather than the, the, the live broadcast in kinescopes that so many uh, TV comedies were being broadcast with back in the early 50s. And my understanding, Gary, is that Desi Arnaz was instrumental probably to meet the needs of the moment, the needs of himself and his famous wife in wanting to do the show from Hollywood at a time when, contrary to what people may believe back then, a lot of the TV work, in fact, most of it was not happening on the West Coast. But Desi said, hey, how about we do this from Hollywood? That's right. They did not... uh... Desi and Lucy didn't want to leave home and uh, they wanted uh, they wanted to have a family. In fact, uh, they had their first baby, uh, little Lucy, um, um, right after the pilot during the summer of 51, as they were planning, uh, you know, to the first episodes of I Love Lucy. Um, So they didn't want to leave home. Uh, Desi had been on the road as a band leader. Uh, while Lucille had been back in Los Angeles doing films. Um, so going to New York was really not in their plan. So they had to kind of reinvent how you produce television uh, so that they could do it from Los Angeles. That was uh, not an easy thing to talk folks into. They had to take a pay cut in order uh, to do it. But as part of the deal, they also were given ownership uh, at that time of I Love Lucy, Uh, Because back then, no one realized there would be a market for repeats and syndication. Um, And and, in many ways, I Love Lucy uh, created uh, repeats and syndication because because of it was shot on film. So they had to reinvent how to do television in these various capacities. And in so doing, they reinvented how you do television in all these ways. (laughs) Yes. They were present for the creation and a part of it. That's one of the reasons why I think they're held in such great esteem. And also for the fact that they assembled around themselves the best that Hollywood could offer for that project. They absolutely did. The writers were unbelievable. Um, uh, Just incredibly talented people, including Madeline Pugh, one of the earliest female television writers, uh, as well as uh, Jess Oppenheimer, who was the producer and a writer. I mean, these, these people were amazing. And they had to bring in uh, various talent uh, uh, to figure out how to light uh, a TV show that was really put on like a stage play. So this kind of flat lighting that is still still used today in many situation comedies. They brought a lot of people from the film world and they were shooting in an actual soundstage uh where they put uh, bleachers in for uh, a studio audience. Again, that had never been done before. Uh, Anything that had a studio audience was being done in New York City in kind of a traditional theater, uh, like like what what became the Ed Sullivan Theater, where Stephen Colbert still does his show today, and Letterman did it before that. Um, It it was all kind of New York-based, old vaudevillian theaters, before uh, Desi and Lucy said, hey, let's let's do it in a soundstage 
and bring an audience in to watch. I'm curious, Gary, how much of the original set, how much of the props and the wardrobe still remain? For example, when I hear about the iconic blue polka dot dress of Lucy's, I go, well, first of all, when I saw, uh, was watching in syndication because I wasn't around to see it in the first run, um, you know, I think I always thought that was a red dress and there were these white polka dots. And then I find out it's blue. I'm I'm inferring from that, that there were decisions that had to be made about what would look best on black and white television back in the day. That's true. Um, they, they a lot of the sets were painted very, you know, what would be unusual colors if you were looking at it in color. But because it's kind of shades of black and gray, uh, they they. They purpose, purposefully were were uh, uh, were finding colors that you're suggesting, Gary, that worked best for black and white. Uh, with regard to the artifacts, you mentioned the blue polka dot dress. Uh, we do have that uh, one of those dresses on display at the National Comedy Center, and there aren't that many artifacts that really survived. No one uh, back then really thought there would be a reason to keep these things. But over time, through various private collectors uh, and including uh, Pepito the Clown, who was in uh, the pilot and one of the first season episodes uh, with Lucy and Desi, and, and he had saved a number of things. Over time, we've collected an assortment of artifacts. We have the uh, professor outfit that Lucy wore in the original pilot and, and episode six. Uh, she played uh they they did a vaudeville routine both uh on stage and then on the show where uh he sang cuban pete and she was sally sweet we have this beautiful beautiful dress where lucy played sally sweet so we have a few things and of course we have the sets but they're recreated so um uh we have the iconic new york apartment set uh the kitchen and the living room as well as the Hollywood Hotel Suite when the Ricardos went to Hollywood when Ricky was going to film a movie. Those were recreated for a 50th anniversary tour uh, celebrating I Love Lucy, and eventually uh, the Lucy Desi Museum uh, received those sets. And you can now walk on those sets, which was a very rare thing until recently. We let you walk onto the New York set to take a photo and, and we're proud that we can offer that now to visitors at the museum. You took us right where we need to be, Gary. If someone goes through those wonderful doors and they are at the Lucy Desi Museum, what is it that you encounter? Give us a sense of what that experience is like this weekend for sure, but also generally. Yes, at the Lucy Desi Museum, uh, well, certainly those sets and, and seeing some of those artifacts you know, that 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 living room is arguably the most famous TV living room of all time. And for those who grew up watching I Love Lucy, uh, you get emotional just seeing it come to life and in color uh, for the first time. Uh, but we we have one gallery that takes you through the entire world of I Love Lucy and talks about how pioneering it was both in front of the camera as well as the production techniques that were used. Uh, so that's one gallery. The other gallery uh, really tells the story of of Lucy and Desi from their early beginnings for Lucy in Jamestown, for 
for Desi in Cuba and talks about their their family life. Um, we talk about Lucy's career after I Love Lucy, you know, because she continued to make very high rated uh, CBS shows, the, the Lucy show and Here's Lucy. So we take you through uh, through all of that. We have a gallery that talks about uh, Lucy's film career. Uh, we really kind of cover the gamut on on Lucy and De- and Desi and the show. Uh, and we are in the process of preserving uh, our entire Lucy and Desi archives digitally uh, with the hope that over time we'll be able to uh, display uh, in in a in a in kiosks display even more of the artifacts and documents and creative papers uh, the way we do at the National Comedy Center that we'll be able to do that for Lucy Desi as well. So we're digitizing really the, our entire collection. You are making use of the current technology and thank goodness for that. To speak a word in praise of Desi Arnaz, this is a man whose biography, I admit, I, I'm not that aware of him, somewhat aware. One of the things I learned recently, and it just causes me to respect him even more, is that he came from money in Cuba and then came Castro, the revolution. His family had to flee, as I understand it. So when they got to the United States of America, Desi Arnaz really was a young man who had to reinvent himself from the ground up. Yes, it was actually the Batista revolution that he had to escape. Oh, uh, not the Castro one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Re- revolution. Uh, but yes, his his father was mayor of Santiago, Cuba. Um, he did come um, from a very privileged family, and they had to escape very quickly, and they went to Florida. And and you're right, Gary. It, it, it uh, you know, as as so many immigrants. Uh, who had to leave, uh, they were, they became uh, very poor and he uh, had to kind of start from the beginning. And he talks about it himself in his book where he was cleaning bird cages uh, Mm. in, in, in Florida. And uh, ultimately um, um, you know, there, there, there was a uh, he, he became a band leader and first he was working with uh, Xavier Cugat eventually Desi, Desi had his own band and he was touring. Uh, he was in a, a Broadway production of Too Many Girls. Uh, and when it came time for the film of Too Many Girls, he was cast in that and, and headed out to uh, Hollywood for the first time. And, and the rest is, uh, is history because that's where he met Lucille, who was also cast in the film uh, of, of too many girls and they met on the RKO lot, uh, in Hollywood, which is now part of Paramount, uh, by 19, uh, I think it was 58 or 59 Desilu bought RKO. So they went from meeting, uh, in a cafeteria at RKO to owning the studio, uh, I guess probably about 19 years later. Doesn't that have the feel of destiny? I mean, my goodness, you know, the right people at the right time to create these things that would have such an influence on popular entertainment in America and then around the world because of the influence. That's extraordinary. Gary, tell us a little bit about Desilu Productions itself. As I understand it, Lucille Ball actually ran that show for a time before selling Desilu. 
Yes, Desi Lu is just a fascinating story. Of course, it was created to produce I Love Lucy, but with the phenomenal success of 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 that show, um, as I mentioned, they they bought RKO, and and at one point, Desi Lu had thirty three sound stages and was the biggest television studio factory in the world. Um, they were producing uh, shows, you know, like Our Miss Brooks. Uh, for Eve Arden, they were uh, also producing. Uh, they they were there were a lot of shows that filmed on that lot that weren't necessarily produced by I Love Lucy uh, by Desi Lou, mm-hmm. uh, but they just loved what Desi Lou could do um, for their television production. So you have all sorts of things like the Andy Griffith Show and Hogan's Heroes uh, and uh, all sorts of shows that that were shot on that lot. But I think what you're getting to, too, is there was a point after Lucy and Desi divorced. Lucy became the first female head of a major studio uh, at that point. And it led to um, some incredible television uh, like Star Trek and Mission Impossible and Mannix. Just uh, uh, things, especially in the case of Star Trek and Mission Possible, uh, that we're obviously still talking about today. Uh, and that was all under Lucy's watch at Desi Lou. And let's just stop and think about that for a second. Star Trek, Lucille Ball then would have signed off uh, and give the go ahead to Star Trek. That that's absolutely right. It was a very expensive pilot. They had to do two pilots uh, because NBC rejected the first one, and it was really up to Lucy to kind of uh, face down the the board of directors of Desi Lou who were really questioning whether they should invest that much money in this strange science fiction show that was incredibly expensive. And Lucy said, yes, I believe in this show. We need to do it. And we would not be talking to Star Trek today. And arguably, William Shatner would not have gone into space (laughs) a few days ago uh, were it not for Lucille Ball to stand by that show and said, say, this is good television. I want to make this show. I think we should spend the money. And, you know, when you think about the people and who they were back then, take Leonard Nimoy, for example, he was clearly seen as a man with a future in that industry, but he wasn't, of course, as we remember him now, William Shatner, guy from Canada coming down. Yeah, he's got some talent, has a nice face. But to put that together and to to get a network to put that kind of faith and the big checks to support a project like that requires a visionary. And that visionary, among others, I'm sure, was none other than Lucy herself. That's right. She she had. um, Well, I don't know if she enjoyed being the head of the studio. She had incredible instincts, not just when she was on camera, but behind the camera as well. And then with all of that going on, there was also this move, perhaps not invented by them per se, but Lucy and Desi understood the value of using quality for the sake of now and the future. Maybe they didn't intend that there would be this incredible tsunami of syndication from which we benefit today, but they sure had a lot to do with getting that rolling. They, they, they truly did. And you had a point where CBS was playing repeats of I Love Lucy in prime time, I believe, on Saturday nights while the show, while they were still making new episodes that were airing on Monday nights. 
that had never even been contemplated before. And that, that, so they were running it twice a week. Uh, and, and that was before it was even syndicated to, to local stations across the country, which I believe started probably around 1959 or 60. Uh, but nobody contemplated what kind of huge business that would be, but it really did change, uh, Hollywood's approach to television because at that point, uh, you had major studios deciding, you know, this is worth investing in because the studios had kind of shied away from television in many respects uh, up till that point. Uh, they, they saw it as something that wouldn't make a lot of money and that they, they, they felt it was too competitive with the film industry. But, but syndication led them to think, hey, maybe we should be doing a lot more of this. Continuing to pay those dividends. That is amazing. And just before we get into the, uh, the practicalities of visiting the two museums that are beautifully managed by the National Comedy Center, including your honorable self, Gary Hahn, but also I just wanted people to realize the impact and one episode tells the story. The night that little Ricky was born, the audience for that, and then what happened in America the next day, I believe. Yes. Uh, in January of 53, uh, January 19th, uh, little Ricky was born, as well as Lucy's real second child, Desi Arnaz Jr., uh, on the same night. But that was such a phenomenon for television that it earned unbelievable. I think it was like a 72 rating and a 92 share, if I'm not mistaken. That means 92% of television's uh, television households watching television at that time was watching the uh, the episode where Lucy gave birth. Uh, that was about 44 million people at that wow. point. The next day was was the inauguration of President Eisenhower, uh, which was watched by only about 29 million people. So uh, so Lucy's episode far outrated uh, the inauguration of the president of the United States. There's a statement about the power of television and the power of Lucille Ball and Desi yes. Arnaz. In our last moments, Gary, and thank you so much for being with us today. Tell us, when we go there, when we go to the National Comedy Center, I know I plan to be there. What's the best way to enjoy both of those fine venues, the National Comedy Center and the Lucy Desi Museum? Yes, well, Gary, everyone can go to ComedyCenter.org and to plan their trip. Uh, we have a dual admission, which is really the, the best way to go. And you can start with the Comedy Center. The Comedy Center is really Lucy's vision. She had uh, suggested to the folks in Jamestown back in 1989 who wanted to honor her. Uh, she suggested, I'd rather that you have a museum that celebrates all of comedy, not just me and my work. And, uh, um, and we finally were able to bring that vision to life in 2018. Very high tech uh interactive museum that has a lot of lucy in it but also everything else you can think of from um uh you know jerry lewis and the smothers brothers to laugh in to we we celebrate all kinds of you know carol burnett uh everything you can possibly imagine uh and i would start with the, with the national comedy center and you can do that in in two or three hours or you can most a lot of people like to spend a lot more time because we have so much content uh, and then head over to Lucy Desi Museum to get a deep dive into the story of Lucy Desi and I Love Lucy. 
What a beautiful experience that would be for anyone. Thank you so much, Gary Hahn, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Gary. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.